river kingdoms are a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevoy sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters, Brevoy seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone to let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 113. We were, um, had made it back after our big, um, Tristram was my big wilderness adventure. Yeah. And I was going to talk to Bryn about Uravetti, but you said that might be a longer conversation than we should do at the end of the session. How very true. Yes. Um, and then, um, I had done the month of, um, the month we're in, um, Deadness yep. by um, having a big, um, big explore, big, big, big wilderness exploration with Tristra. Yep. So um, after my, um, I had a little bit, of, a very small amount of inventory management, talking to Bryn, and then that's kind of that month, and we're into Sarence. So yes, you have explored, plumbed the mysteries of the Clockwork Cave, then you have returned to Bryn, who is hanging out wherever you want her to be, basically. Yeah, so I think um, the theory was we were going to um, t- tell her I needed to talk to her something about something we were going to take off into the woods, as yep. we do. Yep, yep. So you're in one of your usual 18 spots. Yeah. Out in the woods outside Stagpool. Yeah, Carolyn's getting to the point where um, Wally certainly doesn't know them the way Bryn does. Yep. He's now he, he would be spending a bit of time in the wilderness anyway, and it's more because of Bryn and is getting relatively familiar Can with I the mean, very local areas of Follock. You can right. identify this is the one with that, you know, when she talks about the old oak tree, it's yep. this thing. You know, when she talks about the... Um, the deer, the deer um, ground. It's this thing, etc., etc. Cool. So you lope out into the woods together and. She will turn to you with a smile and all over sort of give you a big kiss. <clears throat> and she says, So, was this what you wanted, or did you actually want to walk? Kellen will look deeply conflicted for a moment. <laughs> a little from Gollum A, a little from Gollum B. Uh, I actually want to talk, you know, maybe after. <laughs> so, um, sit down. <laughs> some, we found out some stuff 
about Irovetti while we were down south, and um, it relates to you. She looks slightly confused at that one. Me? Or all right? Um, he. We found this cave, and um, I will detail the story of the lizard artificer. Yeah, and um. Irovetti, um, when he was a man, he came upon it, and it's, it, the, la- the last entry in the journal indicates Irovetti came upon it and killed the killed the what was remained of the remained of the lizard man, and concluded that such arts were best left alone. And then later, he came back and performed the same ritual on himself. He... took his heart out, he turned himself into a clockwork man thing. Aye. I think he must have been very upset about something and didn't want to feel anymore. Alright, so... A fool who meddled with things that he shouldn't have meddled with. It seems like he was quite a man as a young man, someone I would have liked to meet. Um, and he had a queen. And when he was still a human man, they had a little girl together. And the queen was an elf. Aye. It seems at some point, as far as I've been able to piece it together, at some point she took the child and ran. And Bryn, at this point, almost quite literally sits up on her haunches, sort of puts her hands into the ground and just scratches a couple of times into the deep earth. And the girl was me. I think so, yeah. I think so. What was I... What were we running from? Him? I... I don't know. But as far as I can tell, I think how it went down was that something happened... And Uruveti made that decision. And then your mother decided it wasn't safe for you anymore. And tried to get the two of you out. With first. Did he change before or after he left? I don't know. Yeah, but You know, like that's quite a tight timeline. But I don't have any proof of this. But it makes sense to me that he came back like that and she thought she had to get out. But it might be that the pain of losing her is what drove him to it and that they had some other dispute before then. I don't know for sure. But it all fits together.
wind is changing. I... I need a minute. And she will lope off into the woods where you will hear the sounds of her um, kind of inelegantly and for Bryn, for Bryn exceedingly loudly, meaning you can hear the snap of branches and some brush of undergrowth. She is basically just loping around, running in circles, and you'll hear periodic sort of growling <coughs> noises coming from her. And after a couple of minutes of this, she returns looking a bit disheveled and scratched up. She's reasonably obviously been just kind of running in circles, running out of energy a bit. Uh, what you say makes makes enough sense from what we know. And it certainly explains why the Clockwork King Castrocio Irovetti my father whatever he is wants to be back again. I I don't think he's still capable of love, of the warmer emotions, but he still has some kind of a moral compass, even if it's a bit defective in some respects, and things are important to him. He cares a lot about Pytax, and I think you're important to him that way. A cub is always a cub of the pack. He wants to know you're okay, but he wants to know you're okay in a a human father would be capable most human fathers would be capable of accepting that you've found your own life and being happy for you letting you make your own decisions about how you want to spend it now and I don't think I think he's lost that capacity but we met some we met someone who knew him when he was younger and I will give her some details about the mammoth. And, yeah. You know, I will go into a little bit of detail about this because this is awesome and Brynn yeah. will like this story. Yeah. And I it's, will... it's definitely a thing that she'd enjoy more under other circumstances. Here, she's obviously distracted. But, but um, and I will tell her about what he said about the younger Ravetti and her mother and what um, what's the, what the druid's name is? Calfraxis. Calfraxis. And um, they the, the most um, wanktastic Greek and um, them all adventuring together. And um, I think whatever he became, he made a bad decision and he lost some things he'll never be able to get back. But when he was a human man and you were a little girl, he loved you and your mother loved you and I think they were very happy together for a time. But then something went wrong and he made a mistake. And first, first must have been with me and Cassiopeia, my mother. I think I know now there were golems in the cave. They were, Castruccio must have made them, very few people know. We we're, we in here pretty sh and that old lizard were pretty much the only ones who know about this cave and I can tell you those little pincery those um, warden jack swarms he has around it would um, kill most people without so nasty it's um 
he made those, I think, when he was a living man, his first try of the technology. They're more primitive than first, and things like 38 for more advanced. He made first, and he made him, I think, when he was a living man and understood the value of choices and decisions. First, fix. He made chooses. But then he told, Erebedi told him to protect what mattered most. And first continued to do it, even when Erevesi didn't want him to anymore, I think. So it was first helping us away from him, failing to protect us? I think it must have been something like that. When you were attacked in the woods and Cassiopeia, I think, was killed, first was trying to protect you and was damaged, and of course... A man who survives something like that would heal over time, but golems don't heal. I don't remember much any of this. Aye, I know. I just thought it's a heavy thing, but I think he was worthy of your respect as a living man. As was, and I think your mother was, even if you don't necessarily remember them. She sits back on her haunches and scratches her fingers through her hair and thinks about this for several long moments. And then in the end, she sort of just shrugs. She says, worth knowing what's, worth knowing what's going on, who our enemy is, I suppose. But what does any of it matter now? What does it change? I don't think it changes anything, love. I just thought you had a right to know. I, um, hearing how badass he was as a younger man and, um, how impressive Cassiopeia was, it makes sense to me to a certain extent, but we're more than our blood in any case. Even if they were both out and out, out, out villains, you could still be who you are. It's good to know who and what and where my mother was, but. I already had a father, Father Bravia. He looked after me when I was too big for the wolves. He taught me, he civilized me, she says, rubbing dirt across her face. <laughs> he was holy and right. Before the Stag Lord killed him, he taught me that he taught me that Irori teaches us that our strength comes from within. That we should work every day to become stronger and better. But we should always remember never to give up our strength to become stronger. Never quite understood that one. I'm not a holy one like he was, but I think it makes more sense thinking about what Castruccio did. He I... made himself stronger by making himself weaker. I... The thing of it is, um, he might never have obtained the strength as a fighter, as a living man that he has now, but he'll never be able again to understand the things that he understood by instinct before. And he could have kept working to become a stronger fighter as, as a living man and still had that wisdom, but what he's given up, he'll never be able to get back. I... Being a living man, being a mortal, 
it has its own strength. We grow grow best where we're planted, I guess. What we are is what we were meant to be. Becoming stronger, learning new things, it doesn't change what we had already, what we already knew. You've learned to become a queen, but you still know how to survive in the woods and fight and hunt and things. You didn't have to lose that to gain the other. I think I feel better it's a harsh thing but I feel better about taking him out now never sat well with me I respect him more but hearing what he said about what the, about the old lizard I don't think he'd be happy to live on this way I don't think he'd have done it if he knew what it was going to mean or if he was in his right mind at the time so you do see this doesn't change things. We're still going to have to kill him. Aye, I know. I'm not... Kellen shrugs a bit. Kieran's raiders killed almost everyone I grew up with. None of those people were people. None of those... None of them were worth... worth my sorrow, and I didn't feel it. I felt relieved. I'm... I regret what he could have been, what he was before, but he chose this path. I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to take him out if he wasn't fighting us, but it's his decision to push this for us, and he can't have you. No, he can't. And he can't have first, neither. No. If first protects my mother and me, if first protects our pack, then we protect him. I know that you've, you've spent a lot of years wondering about your father, who he was, what he wanted, why he'd left you. you spent a lot of years chasing his approval in some fashion or another. I didn't. I had a father and finding out the man who birthed me was Castruccio Rivetti I always knew my real father was dead now I just know how dead he is Aye the, the man who was your father died that day in the cave and however stupid a decision he made I think he was worthy of respect before that but I see now why um, people have said that um, he was what he was now is a monster. So I, th- I do think he's not as bad as um, a number of monsters that we've run across. But he's made it himself. He's made the decision to make himself our enemy. We didn't make that call. And Albert kills because it's hungry. A wolf eats because it needs food to feed its cubs. He doesn't need any of those things anymore, but he still lives and continues. He shouldn't be. I. Some things are not meant to be. Some power is not meant to be used. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Mm. 
thank you for letting me know about this. Won't have anything to do with it next. It's up to you. I'd like to tell, uh, you know, Michaela Svetlana so they know what's going on. They probably need to. I, um, we can tell the council or not as you like. I don't see it's particularly everyone's business, but I don't see that we have anything to be afraid of or ashamed of, neither. If we tell the council, we won't be able to keep it from first for long. And he's broken in the past. I... I don't want to see him hurt. No. Although... Knowing this, I suppose, might help fix him. It might just make things worse. I'm not a golem person. I, I, I don't know. In the end, I think he did better for knowing more of what was going on. But I'm not... What about, we, for the moment, we just tell Svetlana and Michaela and tell anyone else if it com- comes out as important? And, um... I don't think... I think you're right. In the end, it's nice to know what's going on and why. But in the end, it doesn't change very much. You are, you are who you are. I am Bryn, not uh, Brynhilda. <laughs> <laughs> no, they seem to have a bit of a thing for pretentious names down south. Most importantly, I am mother to my cubs, mate to my alpha, with you. Mm-hmm. She will nuzzle into you. Yep, I'll put her arm around her and snuggle. Mm-hmm. And then I think um, we spend the day just by ourselves in the forest. Yep. And so then, are you returning to brief your PC council? Yeah, I will... Because um... Um, several of them will have strong opinions. On yes. Um, what I'm actually going to do is gra- gather the four of us together. Yep. And um, info dump to Svetlana and Michaela all the stuff that we found out. Yes. Because, um, you know, Michaela needs to know, for, and probably and Svetlana as well, will also benefit from the information for uh, political things. And, and Tristan. Yeah. Who will actively want to be in this conversation. Yeah. Other things. Like, he wanted to let you go and talk to Bryn rather yeah. than him doing it, because it's obviously more your place than his. But he's, he's invested in this as well. Yeah. Comes to that, I think we might have, um, if Bryn's alright with it, I think we might have Van in the mix as well. Because it's um, kind of a family matter. Sure. Yeah, you, you ask her that, she sort of thinks about it for a few minutes, and she's. We thought we were all thorns now. Mm. Roses fall, thorns remain. Mm-hmm. Alright, so you gather everyone together. Mostly just because I don't want to brief yep. Svetlana on a whole yep. bunch of things that Van doesn't yep. know. And, and explain this, and Michaela immediately starts processing this and just thinking hard. You can see her eyes shifting behind her veil. And she says, then now we know the nature of our enemy. But he's not really our enemy anymore, is he? Says Tristan. Uh, Nay, lad. 
he, nay, nay, he is. But this changes everything. He's Brent's father. Mm. No, when he was a living man, he was Brent's father. He didn't. He made the decision to destroy the living Struccio Oravetti. We didn't make that choice. And it's him that's made us our enemy, not the other way around. But the, the, the Clockwork King and Castruccio Oravetti are not two entirely separate entities. One did not um, replace the other. One uh, evolved from the other from a certain point of view. Um, first as a thinking... First maybe a golem, but he is a thinking entity. He perceives, he makes decisions, he thinks... Clearly, so does the Clockwork King. So does Castruccio Rebetti. Aye, but... When I... When I wielded Orvinbane, uh, Aristel showed me what, uh, what the sword could give me and what I could lose along the way. And the man I would have become was still Kaelin. But it wasn't me. But that, that was only a vision and a warning. We could have, I could have talked to you, brought you back from there. Of course, you know how that one. Is. Yeah, and Tristram does too. Yes, but, yes. But, but, I, I sort of, but his running theory is, you know, in the real world, yeah. things would be different. Yeah. I know it was only a vision, but I came damn close to killing Vaughn before Corwin killed me. And I kept Bryn locked up because she didn't do what I wanted her to. And that sounds awfully familiar to me. Mm. Ultimately, if Castruccio had been prepared to leave things as they were, wanting first and not being able to have him, wanting Bryn back and not being able to have her, wanting Gatekeeper and just not getting everything he wants, then he'd never have started this war with us. We know that he wants this war, though, says Michaela, or that he needs it. Aye, he needs to be warring with something at this time. It doesn't seem like he needs to be always at war, but he needs to be warring with something. We could try to find a solution to this other than killing him, but knowing that the living Castruccio Rovetti would not have wanted to live on like this does change things from my perspective. It is not my decision, says Svetlana, but... I have spent a considerable amount of time wondering who my parents were, wondering who my father was. If I knew if I had an opportunity to meet them, to speak with them, to understand what had happened and why, if it were me, I would want, if it were my father, I would want to save him from this. Caitlin's eyes flip to Bryn. And Bryn sort of looks at her, gives a slight nod and a grunt of this. Just, mm. Maybe you would. But he's not my father. He's not anyone 
I know he's just another enemy of Stagthorn. What's the point in bringing him in? Trying to talk him down, she looks at Tristan. Tristan sort of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, what's the point in trying to bring him back? He's a stranger to me, and apparently he's a stranger that tried to kill me. He's our enemy, and we kill him. It's just that simple. And Svetlana sort of looks sad at this, and she sort of raises her hands and backs off slightly. And she says, "You have much more stake in this than." I do. I agree that we are going to need to stop the Clockwork King in some fashion or another. I just wish there was another way. I and I, I do as well, Les. Even as he is now, he's a man I respect, and fighting alongside him was pretty good. But I feel what he's done to himself can't be undone. But. I don't think he's ever going to... I think any relationship with Bryn has passed beyond recall at this point. His The decisions he made have made her life worse, and it's... And some things are not meant to be rebuilt. But if there is another way that doesn't involve surrendering any of the things that we have... I'm prepared to keep an eye, one eye open for it. I'm certainly prepared to at least have a conversation with him as the moment comes. But what in that other time I was glad when Corn killed me. I was glad it was over. I care more about what the living Uravetti would have wanted than about what the Clockwork King wants. And I don't think he'd have wanted to live on this way. If we can't cure him, it may be more merciful to take him out than leave him like this. Tristan looks kind of upset at this. He says, but Uravetti himself said that being unchanging is just stagnation. He can, if he can change, he can change back again. That's that Iravetti himself said it and Michaela shakes her head and she says, No, Clockwork King said that. They're the same person. He's not we're not defined by what we are. We can choose to be more than what's in our blood or our gears or anything of that sort. We're not just stuck being what we are forever and there's the slightest crinkling of the eyes from Michaela as she sort of winces slightly at that one. Because <laughs> um, all these people have issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and that's yeah, that, that's pretty much about the size of where this is going. Um, yep. Tristan will passionately argue that you can absolutely talk Iravetti back to the right side and, um, you know, obviously he is no longer necessarily the man that he was, but that man is still inside him. From Tristan's point of view, he claims that Erevetti is still in there. Yeah. And will explain that you know the nature of what he understands about the construction of the golems and that sort of thing. And he's he's right. Mm. You know, the Clockwork King is not an entity that exists entirely separately that has no goals and motivations in common with Erevetti. He is clearly made from Castruccio Erevetti. He is driven by his goals. Mm. He is driven by his motivations. They just. 
he doesn't have the emotional background behind them. Yeah, like, I mean, he wants Bryn because on some level, that is Castruccio Rovetti's desire. Yeah. He wants to be a father to her in, I suspect, I suspect he wants to be a father to her in some way. Yeah. It's just not necessarily the way a human man would handle that. And Tristan will argue that first seems capable of, of experiencing some level of emotion. Yeah. Um, Erovetti is clear. And again, Tristan repeatedly refers to him as Erovetti or Castruccio rather yeah. than the Clockwork King. No one else does. It's just Tristan. Well, um, I actually, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I refer to him, I refer to him both ways. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Tristan deliberately repeatedly refers to him as Irovetti and yeah. actively corrects people. Yeah. Um, and Tristan's theory is that Irovetti is clearly capable of feeling more emotion than first. Obviously, he is emotionally stunted in an ironic mirror in sort of the same way Titania is. He can't feel that depth of emotion anymore. Yeah. But he can clearly still get upset, you know, frustrated... Uh, angered, motivated. He's yeah. got emotional emotions on some level. They're just yeah. not much. But the distinction for me is that Titania perceives things very differently and clearly can't get super angry. Yeah. But she's still capable of, I guess, love. Yes. Um, Whereas Castruccio not only isn't capable of that, he isn't capable of understanding when other people feel that. Yeah, essentially... Um, Irovetti is very emotionally stunted in that he's running at about 10% on everything. Yeah. Um, Titania has weird problems in that she has no conception of war whatsoever. Yeah. She, she, it's almost beyond her understanding. Yeah. She almost can't get angry. Yeah. She can get sad. She does experience love in some fashion. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's stunted in very specific, weird oh, ways, right. whereas Zerubiti is just across the board turned down. Yeah, and in addition to that, and there are some specific things he's lost the con- the, the conception to grasp forever, and that they, as far as I can tell, that's forever, and they seem to be quite important things. Yeah. So don't hear this is what the GM is telling you. This is what Tristan is telling you. Tristan yeah. is firmly in the camp that he can be redeemed, bought back. Yeah. Um... You know, that he's still capable of feeling love, that there's a good man in there if you can just save him, etc., etc. Michaela is pretty ambivalent on that point. She understands, you know, strategically it might be useful to have Eravetti, but she's pretty heavily on side of let's, you know, we need to get rid of him. Yeah. Uh, Bryn is absolutely on side of get rid of him. Um, She is somewhat ironically the least emotionally invested person here. Yeah. Um, Kaylin can read this off her quite easily because Bryn makes no real effort to hide it. She really doesn't care. Yeah. It's just, it's not in her nature. If if Irovetti was Michaela's father or Svetlana's father, this would be a very different situation. Yeah. Because they would have very strong opinions about it one way or the other. Although, um... It is entirely possible we just killed Svetlana's lost, long lost father. Yes. <laughs> Bryn is... But we don't know that for sure. Bryn is ultimately pretty, um... I think this is a fair take, because it's been very much Kayla's experience. Bryn is ultimately pretty simple. She's yeah. very clear. She's very straightforward about what she wants. She is not going to get wound up in a big angsty ball about her long lost father. She yeah. just takes it for what, he is, what she is and goes, well... Yesterday my father was dead, today my father's still dead. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. And you know, she he's a legitimate you know, he his goal his current goal is to um, effectively kill Kaylin and imprison her. Yeah. 
she's legit not happy about him doing that, then he conceivably has the mo- and he conceivably has the might to pull it off. You know, taking him out isn't actually a, lo- a logical move. And Svetlana is not as um is not as bent on Tristan as this. Um, she is not as like he is very firmly of the opinion that absolutely Irvetti can be saved, and that's what we should be doing. Um, Svetlana is of the opinion that you know, if we can, you know, if we can save him, redeem him, turn him, save his soul, whatever is left of it, in some fashion, then we should. But I think the evidence is clear that he chose to do this to himself. Whatever he has become, it is. It may or may not be what he wanted to be, but every man is responsible for their own choices. Alright. So, what we'll do then is that we'll continue to oppose him and we'll protect ourselves and our people and our kingdom. If he chooses another way shy of war, then I'm certainly not going to continue to prosecute a war with Pytax after he has stopped attacking us. And if we find a way to get through to him, then I'm not opposed to trying it. But having watched him in battle, I'm not certain that I can take him. So if we, if it comes down to a fight between us that is a fight for survival, then we will need to do what is necessary to survive. If we can reform him before that, then I think we should. But I, my, my belief is that it is too late already. Tristan looks kind of unhappy at this, chews his words for a moment, and then says, I don't think you'll be able to take him alive when it comes to that. If you hit first on the head with a sap, it wouldn't bother him at all. It depends how much physically is left of Castruccio Rivetti in the Clockwork King. But he may well be immune to being knocked out. I and I. I.e. golems are immune to non-lethal damage. It's a, it's Tristan is not telling you that as a fact, but it's a pretty reasonable assumption that Irvini is as well. So we'll keep our eyes open. If we can get ourselves, uh, if we can get ourselves in Pytax off the conversion course, we're now on. Then we'll do it. I don't think anyone here wants to be engaged in a massive war with Pytax and. I don't want to kill Ravetti, but otherwise, this ends. If he doesn't, if we can't get them off, the, if we can't get off this collision course, this ends the way it did with Vordekai and Hukrocker and the Stag Lord and Drelev. <laughs> Ultimately, if we can't find another way, that's how it ends. If he surrenders, I suppose we have to take it, but I don't think we should leave that thorn on our side. I don't think you have to worry about that that one way or another, love. I think if we find a way to redeem him, we'll make sure that we're not exposing ourselves. And if it comes down to a final fight, I can't imagine him surrendering any more than um, Garnet Bone Picker did. He's too much of he, he's an he's a man of the Iron Lord, and so far as he is a man, he'll he'll fight till he can't fight anymore. Tristan will sort of turn to Vaughn and says, Vaughn, you, you must agree with me, surely. And Vaughn sort of sighs deeply. Our first duty is to Stagthorn. Uh, frankly, 
Brun, I commend your willingness to do what needs to be done. Our personal feel, our personal feelings have to come secondary to what is best for the kingdom. And Tristan says, you know, but what if it was our father? You know, what what would you do then? And Vance follows once, twice, goes quite blank and says, what he taught us to do. Our duty. Well, if it's any consolation, I have fought Lord Lord Thorne when he's out of his head, and he is vulnerable to non-lethal damage. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's mostly about the personalities here. Tristan will never accept that there isn't another way. Yeah. Um... Bryn is actually is going to let's kill him as her first port of call. Yeah. Van, if it was Eldis, Van would absolutely kill him. Yeah. You know, he wouldn't like doing it, but he would do it. Yeah. Yeah, they, um... I'm really glad I convinced him to hook up with Svetlana, even if it cost us yeah. move on, because it's past time Van started, um... Occasionally thinking about his own feelings. Here, here, none of this is the GM telling you that what you're doing is wrong in any way. This is the clash of different personalities here. They all yep. have different and reasonably strong opinions on what to do about this sort of thing. Yeah, and um, Kalen's pet is Kalen's telling Tristram and yep. Swetlana clearly because I don't want to. I don't want this to be a surprise to Tristram. Yep, I will. I, I will look for another way while there's time for it, but. If we the road we're on will end with Castrucia, yeah. one of Castrucia or me taking the yeah. other's head, and if we can't get off, if we can't find another road, that's the road we're on. And Tristan is an idealist, not a fool. Yeah, you know he's not going to stand there and let Erevedi stab him repeatedly through the heart while he pleads with him to stop. Yeah, you know he's going to fight him. He just doesn't like it. Yeah. Um, and Michaela, ever the practical one here, just sort of sits and listens to all of this, and then at the end raises a hand to interrupt briefly. And she says, have we determined if the Clockwork King was the one responsible for sending the assassins after Bryn before the assassin after Bryn before Stagthorn was founded? We have no proof one way or the other, but I don't believe so. The assassin testified to a woman, but his memory had been altered. I, I mean, the fact that it was a woman with green hair is puzzled me more than somewhat. But, um... I think there's... I think we have... I think we are firm in our conclusion that the Clockwork King desires Bryn alive. He has had ample opportunity... Certainly he has had ample opportunity to demand her dead. I do not get any impression that he intended to kill her if we if we had turned her over. Nay, um... I think he'd have to lock her up because otherwise she wouldn't stay. Better dead than locked up. She says and, and looks at... Looks at Caelan, you know... If it was, if it wasn't a vision, you wouldn't succeed. <laughs> no, love, I um, I don't think it was. Uh, it was there still putting it into my mind. Yeah. I don't think it was. Um, I don't think it was what would necessarily really have happened. Yeah, well, among other things, you get your successes feared and that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Bryn does not desire to be contained in a gilded cage or any sort of cage. She will fight and she will kill. And she will actively kill you to avoid that happening to yeah. her, because that's about the worst thing. That's about the worst fate she can get. Oh, Nate, love, I know well you're here enough to, because you choose, and if you chose to be somewhere else, you, uh, I wouldn't be able to stop you going. Mm, no, but I'm here. Mm. I'll with you again. But oh, this scared me. That's fine. 
It's a long, hard scene with lots of people. Thinking it, it, it's, uh, it's an awesome scene. So Michaela was saying that... Um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah we determined Erevedi doesn't want... We, we, everybody yeah. thinks Erevedi doesn't want Brun dead, who yeah. sent the assassins and why. Yeah, so... Because I don't think, because I agree with you that he doesn't want Bryn uh, dead, he wants her to be part of his world, and he can't quite grasp that wanting isn't the same as having, and that it's not okay when someone wants, someone you care about wants something that you don't want them to, you can't just make them want that. He, um, it's very much the same thing he's doing with me. He's got a good argument for why I should give her, her up, and it's such a good argument that he can't comprehend of why I don't. It's But the thing of it is, so I don't think he would send assassins, but what vexes my mind is the assassin was such a joke, and Castruccio's got a lot of information at his disposal. Like, I mean, as it happened, Michaela and I took, took the assassin out. But if we hadn't, it wasn't like Bryn would have been overly troubled by him. Yeah, Michaela. And, um, frankly, you know, anyone can be assassinated in their sleep, but if I was picking someone to be assassinated in their sleep, I'd really pick anyone else. And Michaela nods at this. That's very much my assessment as well. It, the the effort was a, a, pult- a paltry one from somebody with no real power or resource. Uh, if the Clockwork King had wanted Bryn dead, he had ample time, opportunity and resource to have a much better go at it. So I think Chris Russo, if he was genuinely trying to assassinate anyone would do a better job but if he was just trying to see what she was made of, I could see him doing a not very good job to get a handle on her maybe to find out more about her but I also think I think that what we know now is not the sum total of what there is to be known about Bryn's past. Maybe he just wants to keep her safe from these assassins. And, in fairness, the other threats to our kingdom. Says Tristan again. Aye, but... Imprisoning someone is not a good way to keep them safe. I'm not saying we should let him, I just... Mm. I don't I don't disagree with your point. I think he was a very good man I would have been proud to know when he was alive. And I do think some part of that man remains. He's ruled well. And I do think he cares about Bryn in his own way. But being unable to respect someone else's deepest desires is an important part of being human. Being alive. Being a person. And... That's something that First has, insofar as he understands what's going on with other people. I've never seen him try to force somebody else's decision, or push, or push for someone, someone else to do something that is against their better judgment. What do we do with First regarding this? When we have spoken to him about his past, previously he has become damaged. Well, he has a right to know. Mm. We should keep it from him to keep him safe. He is strategically more valuable where he is. I think for the moment that I would like to tell him at some point, I'm not certain the moment to tell him is right now. Yeah. I would like to wait and wait a little and see what else comes. If nothing else occurs, is I think we should tell him at some point because I agree that he has a right to know. 
Yeah. And yeah, your party basically split straight down the middle on that. Yeah. Tristan and Svetlana in the camp of he, you know, it's about his past, therefore he has the right to know. Bryn's very much let's not tell him because he's functionally a friend, you know, yeah. we don't want to hurt him, which we, we think we are going to. And Michaela's, yeah, let's not break him again because he's, you know, a valuable asset to the kingdom. Yeah. Let's give it a little bit of time and see what falls out. out. But I would certainly be inclined to tell him at some stage. Once he knows, I think there's no... There, we potentially could tell other people in the council as well. But I don't think this is vital information that everyone needs to have. And No. In the end, it changes nothing. And at some point, it gives us an advantage over Castruccio that he doesn't know that we have. And whichever way we look to defeat him, that advantage remains good. Whether we're trying to reform him or take him out, that information is an asset in our hand. And it is because he doesn't know we have it. Insofar as that I can guarantee he doesn't know we have it. Caitlin says in a slightly tired voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, it never pays to underestimate the Clockwork King. Nay. Nay. Betty. I... I do wish there was another way. He was damn impressive fighting Javon. I was proud to fight alongside him. Whatever else he is, he's a, um, he's a very dangerous foe. The, definitely the worst that we have had, with the exception of Vordekai but he was a foe of another class, and that's always worse. Ultimately, whatever happens, whether we win or lose this, the as long as the realm is still governed by mortal men making their own decisions, then we're in a better better situation. Even if Irvesi takes over and becomes some kind of tyrant, tyrants can be overthrown. Alright. I think we're probably about close scene. And close scene at that point. Well done. Mm. Alright, so I have several more things from um, large to small. Cool, so is that um, is that things that happened at the close of this month? Or Pretty or much, they cool, are kind of event type things, um, some of which are reasonably small. That's fine, so that's like more like new extra kingdom events I've unlocked for this month style yeah. of thing? Cool. One of them is, um, uh, will follow on nicely from what you're doing here, so I think we'll go with that. Yeah. Sure. At some point, um, when Kaelin is drifting off to sleep, um, you hear Titania's voice again. Like, once again, your name three times. Kaelin. 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 Sounding very far away and tired, and at this point it is less that you are um, actively stepping in to have a conversation with her in person, as you have done. You're almost half asleep here, and it sounds like she is almost half asleep as well. She sounds very tired and very far away. And um, I will go to her. She says, I heard the Clockwork King's name, but I am... You would understand that I am tired from what has happened to Siobhan and his forces... So many of them tried to continue to come through. You did well to drive them off to keep the River Kingdoms as it is supposed to be. Thank free of war. Thank you again for your help. Uh, 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 again, I thank you for your help. You've, I think you saved the kingdom and I thank you very much. I know it was taxing for you. 
I need time to regather my energies. I have done as you got as you granted me leave to bought peace to Stagthorn. But now I am tired. Whatever happens next with the Clockwork King, you will need to do it alone. That's fine. You have um, given you've given us a very great deal of help. Whatever you need to do to rest, that's what that's what's important. Stop him, Caitlin Peacebringer. You have to. I will do whatever I can. And then you get this sensation of her sort of starting to go... Again, you're not seeing her. This is a mental feeling in her head. She is starting to go to sleep. Uh, Basically, Titania is checking out of the story temporarily. Yeah. She's she's almost literally shut down. Yeah. So you can, in in theory, if you want to go and whistle her up to talk to her again, you can. And you might or might not get a response. But you're probably not likely to hear from her for a while. Yeah. She's overtaxed herself. Saving, overtaxed herself, saving the kingdom from Ruvun, possibly so soon after the other thing? Maybe. Maybe she's regathering her energies, maybe she's she's, she's pretty inscrutable. Like, yeah. Like, you can roll a sense motive check if you want more information, but you'll probably fail it. No, so. that's quite alright. Cool. But that that's functionally the GM is telling you, yeah, that Daniel is going to sleep for a bit. Yeah. Cool. Very faith thing having and, the... and that's a yes, the slumbering thing. Yes. And that's a um that sort of flows as a decent follow on because she's invested in what's happening with Erevetti and the Clockwork King, but she actually hasn't followed any of that conversation. Yeah. She's she's too far away from it. Yeah. Uh, and so that's pretty much that. Yep. I have um, other little things. Yep. Uh, and the last little one of which is um Uh, Kaylin will get a visitor presented to you um, with uh, it's Larissa, isn't it? Your, um, your page now, Leon's sister. Uh, um, Leona. Leona? Because it was Leon and Leona. I'm fairly certain that if you ask them to look it up on your giant, massive, humongous list of NPCs that you very kindly maintain for me. I'm sure it wasn't that maffinating. It could have been, though. Because uh, she's a half elf. Isn't she is she? a half elf. She's his older younger sister. Yeah. Because dumb jokes. Liana. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Fine. Uh, you're, when you're right, you're right. Um, so she is presenting you your things um, for the day. Yeah. And she says, "Oh, and one of the scouts is one of the scouts has come to one of the scouts has come to see you." He says it's important. He says it's important, but not urgent. So you've basically got, you know, he's not. The, you're not. You're not getting a scout sprinting in, shouting, "Oh my God, the wyverns are coming!" You're getting a scout saying, "I have an important report to make at the king's nearest possible convenience." Well, I'm glad to hear it's not urgent, but I'd still really like to know what he's got to say. So, w- w- feel free to send him in. And in comes a um, somewhat weathered-looking half-elven man who. Like Caleb might have seen him in passing, but yeah. it's some guy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're long past the point where I know yeah, who all yeah. of my citizens are. And he looks like he is—he is a forester. He is yeah. in leathers and that sort of thing. He drops to one knee, gives you a salute, and says, "Your Majesty, I am Scout Harun. I have been 
I have been assigned to I've been assigned to scout the lands around Fort Draylive, and specifically, I bring you news of the glass. You set people to watch if anything was happening with the glass that was growing out of the ground. So, alright, um, help me to sure. remember. So you've found these areas round in three or four different locations now where the earth has been scooped out and lines have been cut. Yes. Um, at the bottom of them they have, um, in some of them they had nothing. In the one in Fort Draylev it had glass. Right. That was um, growing out of it exceptionally slowly. Like you were getting like a centimetre every... Yeah, you know, based on the earth movements you picked up, it's growing like a centimeter a month or something like that. Certainly, no, nowhere near with anything we need to worry about. And you said to the GM, "Right, I'm putting people on this to keep an eye on it. If the situation changes, let me know." That's now what is happening. Yikes! And um, Kettle's eyes widen slightly. I, what's pleased to meet you? What's happening with it? Uh, nothing that I think needs to be of any alarming urgency. But the glass is growing. Not so much you could see it on a moment-by-moment or day-by-day basis, but I have been measuring it carefully, and he will basically lay out what's happening. Um, The rate of increase has about tripled. Right. This poses still no sort of imminent threat. You know, in ten years from now, it will be visible on the surface. But what's notable here is that the rate has increased. The grass is grow- is growing, and grass. The glass is expanding, and it is expanding faster. It is now actively, vaguely visible from the surface. And um, the thing, of course, is if the rate has increased once, what's to say that it won't increase again? Correct. And he has basically kept an eye on this for a period of several weeks at this point. He has assessed it's increased... And then sort of stopped. It hasn't continued to grow exponentially faster. Alright. So so, so the, the rate has increased and then the rate has s- s- settled at that rate of increase? It's not Pretty continuing much, yes, to increase. It's not continuing to increase exponentially faster. And he basically reports this to you and says, you know, uh, as, as you desired to know, Your Majesty, he has no real useful information beyond to tell you this is a background thing that is happening. Yeah. That's all right. All right, I think we may need to um, put a bit more effort into um, trying to assess what's going on with it. I will continue to keep an eye on it and let you know if anything changes. I appreciate... With with urgency, if it changes its speed. I appreciate that, and keep an eye out for yourself if it um, shows any signs of hostility. I.e., if glass critters start jumping out of it and attacking him, run away. (laughs) I've seen no sign of any such disturbance of any kind, but... I am wary of any crystal that grows on its own at a rate that can be observed by the naked eye. <laughs> I, I, I can't say it um, fills my heart with gladness, uh, neither. Particularly seeing we still don't know what dug the dam holes. Alright, and that's, um, that's a thing that's happening that I'm concerned about. Okay, and that is pretty much that. It yep. is a scene to let you know a minor background element is happening that you are keeping an eye on. Yeah. But there's, yeah, there's not much 
watching Bill Pellet, so... Yeah, I mean, um, my inclination would be to go out with Tristram and make some gather information checks to try and work out what's happening here. Yep. Yep. If I'm not actually capable of assessing anything more than it's growing now, yep. I'm happy to have that happen off screen. Yeah, pretty much. You can quite definitely assess this is happening. Um, it is happening at the at the one in Fort Greylev specifically. Um, the other pieces of scooped land, there is glass in them now, but the rate is not um, at anywhere near that. Yeah. And yeah, like Tristan will go out, look at it, and basically says, "Well, you know, it's." It's growing, it's growing by magic. Um, you know, we can, like, we we can harm this glass, we can scratch yeah. it very lightly with this dagger, which I'm now going to try and do. In theory, we could break it, but we have no compelling incentive to do so, and it mm. might piss off whatever's happening. Yeah, he's got nothing. Yeah, that's fine. Because um, I know that you like to, like, foreshadow things, yes. and there's only so much effort poking yes. them when they're just in yeah. the early um, foreshadowing stage. If you want to poke into it more extensively with divination spells and that sort of thing, that's about what you can do, that you can actually do. Yeah. In terms of what Tristan can make as he goes out and makes knowledge arcana check on it, he gives yeah. you the same thing he's already got. It's glass, it's obviously magical, it's growing around and it's basically going to form into sort of a bubble or a bottle or something in that neighbourhood around the um, area eventually. Yeah. But we don't know why or what that means or whether it intends harm to people beyond the obvious people on the inside will be stuck on the inside of a wall of glass. But Yeah, but there's a reason that we haven't claimed any of yes, the Texas. Yes. Um, so yeah, um, I think the GM's message is if you want to do divination spells, that's about what I can see to get you further information you don't already possess. His skill check pretty much tells you what it has told you previously. Cool, so that's fine. Um, cool. We ride out, we take a look at it, yep. we elect to keep a bit more of a watchful eye on it, and yep. maybe assign our um, yep. scouts there another and, dude to hang out with. And it is happening in the, you will get reports it is happening in the other spots, but substantively more slowly, but yep. the one in Fort Dreyler was the most developed. Yeah. Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say that at that point, I'd say they're all undergoing some kind of transformation, and the one in Fort Draylin was the oldest, and that's the furthest yeah, along. Makes a certain amount of sense. Cool, and that's um, that's that. Yes. What I got? Uh, next month, I have Tristan and Quintessa's wedding listed, which I don't think is going to happen. No. So, um, subsequent to the conversation with everybody, I have a quiet word with Van and Svetlana, and um. Tell them Sarinth is not a good mum. Yeah. But if they wanted to get mum married after Sarinth, I'd be Aristus or Erodius, say. Yep. I'd be perfectly happy with that. Well, um. And that, um, I've had a quiet word with Tristram and, you know, he's upset, but I think he's alright to, um. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I, I don't I think this will do any additional damage. He's going to have a slightly crappy month in the, you know, first Christmas with my dead wife kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, you know. Yes. It, it is what it is. And I'll tell them that I appreciate that their patience and, holding, and yes, holding uh, off on this. Neither Svetlana nor Vard want to jump his wedding date just to rub it in. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, well, the but, thing is, because they were going to have a double wedding, yes. they, they were going to get married in yes. Sarinth, and I sort of said, uh, not Sarinth, yes. but, and asked them to hold off for a while, and I'm now if rescinding it, my hold off for a while. If it would suit, uh, there's a certain amount of symbolism I like about the Aresis. 
I it would um I, I, it appeals to me as a notion if we are not interfering with the king's birthday celebrations of course well we can do several weeks afterwards aye there's there's plenty of, there's plenty of time in the month and um I don't know um I think um father would like to be there but um I don't know that we've um necessarily have we had any like correspondence with him uh yes he's still alive yeah um, he's still functioning he is down um uh literally fucking around in the shackles yeah like they're down there having adventures down there having adventures and things um so he would doubtlessly not be able to return for this but he would get um Word like you know, yeah. he would send his greetings, kind of thing. Yeah. So we'll um we'll pass along a message, you know, now so that he has time to. Yeah. But um, nobody, for, n- neither you nor Van nor your impressions of elders give the impression that it's the kind of thing he would lose any sleep over. Like yeah. his son's wedding is a political event. Yeah. And you know, Eldis is sort of invested in Van's happiness, but it's not like if he's not there, it's going to make any difference to anyone. I'm glad he was there for mine, and um, sadly, he was also there for Van's first wedding. Yes, yes. Well, there is that. <laughs> it's not Van's fault. Jumanji got killed. Yeah, but it's less that he doesn't love Van enough to show up, and more yeah. he's several months away. So. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, in a universe at this scale it is kind of a big deal trekking back that yes. far and then they'd have to trek all the way back again yes also I'm tied up with piratical adventures so yeah yeah yeah. I mean at this point he's probably at a crucial stage in his, you know given he's a um, adventuring NPC he's probably at a crucial stage in whatever campaign he's, he and Crystal are waging he's, against the pirates of the shackles he's just waiting to show up and skull the shackles somewhere yeah <laughs> well I'm actually no really yeah <laughs> I'm actually really troubled by that because he's he's kind of hilariously badass, and of course I'm going to be on Teen Pirate. Oh well, maybe he's gone off to become a pirate lord. <laughs> In any case, I assume he's coming back at some stage, yes, but yes. clearly not now. Cool, and cool. that is pretty much that. Yes, business. <sighs> the floor is Kalen's again. Yes. All right. So um. I would like to um, probably have a kingdom turn at this juncture. Sure. But um, I think um, some lunch would also be favourite. Okay, should we break here then? Yeah. Kingdom, start with kingdom turn, then kingdom events, then exploration or... um, Sounds like a plan. Giant battles or whatever. Sounds like a plan. Okay, so... Start a new month. Cool, and we have a moderate pile of money despite the um, giant war and failing our economy checking things because of the um, mighty ivory collection that we um, obtained. Mm-hmm. So we have 68 bill points, which is not great, but certainly a lot better than it could have been without our new best manner friend. And also, and I think more importantly, I have met a giant intelligent mammoth. That's true. Which is not the kind of thing that you expected to come up. Awesome. Just awesome. Okay, and pay consumption? Yep. Ouch. Many fortunes died. It's um, 16 at the moment. I keep trying to boost it and failing. <laughs> trying to reduce it and failing. 
Because right, I'm also doing a lot of kingdom expansion and that, that's causing some problems. But, okay, alright. Pay consumption. Um, raw stability. Okay, um, and I roll one, fail my stability check. Yep, and you fail it by five or more. I'm just looking. Yes, I fail it by five or more. You gain three points of unrest. Yep, so I think um, that's the, you know, we were, the last, last month we were invaded by six or seven different giant armies yeah, because yeah. you know we were ne- we were in a pitch battle with Kistrichu and Vidi then a huge extra dimensional army of Jan showed up and we barely made it out alive and people are just kind of that that wasn't good and there's that feeling of well you know what if the Jan hadn't shown up yeah you know, would, would the clockwork king have just won yeah you know, what if they teamed up yeah you know, what happens next what do we do next month Phil so yep pick up a bunch of unrest yep. um, and then Phil Fill magic item slots. Yep. What would you desire? Uh, I have one slot vacant. You have a plus one light crossbow. Ooh, yay. It might be more interesting than the Gavosin campaign, but... Awesome stuff is coming. Sort of. Well, that's exciting. I will have to clear... Um... Okay, and... I will, um... Because you don't have major slots yet, do you? I do not. I had a faint idea you'd built something that gave one to you. I don't believe so. I mean, I could check my, um... It's possible I just forgot. I could check my, um... Uh, building powers sheet and see if... Oh, that's fine. Alright, I'm clearing the plus two short bar. Yep. That's the other other bow that's just kind of sitting around. I'm assuming that nobody wants a light crossbow. You assume correctly. Cool. Alright. Okay, and then... Does that roll us straight on to the um, great big kingdom? Uh, yes, it does. You can use the royal enforcer if you choose to get rid of some unrest. Um, actually. Other than that, it's a sign leadership. Letting her band haters. Yeah, I will um actually um utilize Huxley at this time. Cool. So your unrest goes down by one. So cool. This roll is less penalized. Cool. Then I make a loyalty check. Yep. We'll change the dice before I um. I don't want another one, and I make my loyalty check. Cool. Huxley enforces. Yes. You know, to be honest, I'm not necessarily entirely happy with this, but what I picture is, you know, he just kind of turns up in people's houses houses as late at night and has a quiet and entirely polite and civil conversation about how defeatism is a bad thing. Uh, it, was the, it was the cathedral I'm thinking of that um, indeed doesn't generate major items. Right, there we are then generates many, many mediums instead. Yeah. Yes, which is why I've got so many mediums. Cool. Cool. Alright, and, um, yep, so Royal Enforcer, um, and, um, Claiming Amanda Hexes, all things. Edict Levels. 
I want to change unit rules. I'm just pondering that. Will tip me up more unrest, but um, I'm just contemplating um, temporarily putting the taxation level up. Sure. Um, but. No, I don't think I will at this juncture. I'll see how I go after my next turn economy check. Okay, yep. Claim and abandon hexes, etc, etc. So I will do a bit of um, math and let you know when I'm ready to tell you what I did. No problem. Although, I have quite a small amount of money, so this may not be super impressive. Much paperwork later. Yep. So, Kaelin is um, claiming A3 and C3 in Varnhold, both of which are grassland hexes on the very northern border, um, and building farms in them Mm -hmm. in an effort to get his consumption down. Um, He is building roads in E4 and F4 in Varnhold, which join his existing road, which goes east east from Varnhold and then stops it on the edge of Centaur Territory. And it is going over the very top of Centaur Territory, deliberately not through the middle and definitely not through their sacred hex, but kind of over that into the Corridor of Thorns. Cool. So he has connected his kingdom to the Corridor of Thorns. Cool. I don't know if that is a relevant point, but he has done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is also building um, roads in um, to um, Stagthorn Hexes. Apparently neglected to write on, down on my sheet lips, which is dimwitted, but I know which ones they are. Um, he is building a road, he is connecting his road that runs south from Lakeview to the Keep of Flowers. Yep. So he now has a road that connects all the way there. Cool. And heads on into Dreyliv's, uh, Fort Dreyliv, where it stops because there's nothing on the other yep. side at present. But yep. it's clearly looking at connecting that whole area up. Cool. Um, and basically the conception with this is I'm going to claim the swamp hexes to the south and build a road through the swamp and the forest so that there are now a, a different route into Fort Dreyliv. Makes sense. So I have more um, trans- transport options there. Yep. It will be a very expensive road, but... Yep. Um, so... Um Touching the corridor of thorns doesn't make any um, substantive difference mechanically because basically you're already connected to Brevoy yeah. and you're already connected to Mivon in yeah. different places. Now you just have more convenient roads. Yeah, so that's all fine. Um, and um, he built another house in, Fort, in the second Fort Dreyliv city and a mill on the water border of the second Fort Dreyliv area. Cool. So, um, which is some very cheap buildings. And he now has a very sad little looking 29 build points, which is not really enough to live on. But several roads. But several roads, which has boosted his economy, which was kind of the point, or sure. one of the points. Um, I also have a question about my edict levels. Yes. Um, I have, um, my taxation level is normal. Yep. And I have down that I don't know what that gives me as a plus to my economy and a penalty to loyalty. Which seems odd because I understand that I don't know how it goes up and down, but it seems like I should have written down. So what? your taxation level is normal. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have it's providing you with neither benefits nor penalties. Is that what you're telling me? That's what I've got written down, but I'm not certain that's correct. I may just have not noted down the correct information. I have plus two, minus two. Cool. All right. I will just let's see what I've got. Need it. 
Yeah, I think that just has never been rushed correctly. Um, I'm also giving you a heads up about something. Yep. Um, I've noticed that my promotion level for my promotion level was down as expansionist. Yeah. However, the consumption penalty, like I, the consumption cost I have on that was the consumption cost for aggressive, and. What I've decided to do is to, to correct that is just dial my level down and say that I'm at aggressive. Sure. It's um because um, yeah. it's only a very minor change to my stability, and that's the no. You're, you're remembering that your um, promotion edicts are halved from something. Uh, is it the? Cathedral, yeah. The cathedral halves your consumption for um, promotion edicts. Oh, that explains it. Okay, what I'll do is put it back up to expansionist and note that down on the character sheet so I don't get confused. Yeah, sweet. That's right. Because people want to come to your kingdom because of your awesome Gorham Cathedral. Cool. We'll just put half next to the consumption so I stop um, tripping over myself there. Okay, so that means my Um, so lovely that um, cleans up some things that puzzled me. So yep, and that's the um, and that's the whole kingdom turn. Um, Caleb bought himself um, replacement potions of fly and um, protection from fire. Yep, both of which he's used and hadn't replaced and wanted more of. Yep, and um, I'm ready to make my economy check. Cool. Ooh, that's the sort of number that I need. Eighteen. Alright, and so... Plus fifty-one build points. And, um... looks notably calmer as the, um... Taxes, thankfully, come in. Cool, plus thirteen. Yep, and, um... We have a bonus in the treasury that will enable us to defend ourselves this month if a war comes upon us. I was going to defend us anyway, but we would have gone to the negatives, which is mm-hmm. a little painful. Cool. And that's the economy check, and that's done with the kingdom. Yep. So, Kaelin has some, um, wants to buy himself a Golembane weapon. Sure. So I don't know if we want to do that now, we'll do the kingdom events first. It's uh, a... Come see, come see. Cool. First. So, um, Kaelin takes his adamantine greatsword into the magic item sh- um, into the blacksmiths or the magic items shop. Yeah. Whoever um, forges um, upgrades to mighty weapons. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Rossi has the um, uh, whatever is the exotic craftsman store. Yeah. So yes, I will take um, the adamantine greatsword into Christopher Rossi and ask him to make it a golembane weapon. Because I don't actually think you have the ridiculously expensive magic shop, do you? That's 68 build points. No, I don't believe we do at this stage, no. Yes, so such a thing can be done in exchange for cash. Cool. Yes, so it's an adamantine greatsword. Yep. So it's more expensive to buff, or is that the one... No, no it's cold iron. Yeah. Get, get, I keep getting that money. The greatsword is inherently valuable in and of itself because yep. of the adamantine, but that you've already paid. Cool. Um, and it is a already a masterwork weapon. does not have any magical enhancements. Yep, so you're only adding a single magic enhancement to it, which makes it a mighty 2,000 gold. That is very, very cheap indeed. Yep. Yep, yep, definitely yep. 
Cool. Alright. So, um, that means, um, the greatsword, um, I don't have that greatsword for a week. Yeah. That's not going to cause you any difficulties. Yep. So that's what. So I, if it's only a week, I'll make it the week I'm in the kingdom anyway. Yep. I, I won't have it for the start of kingdom events, but six plus two. And then lastly, I would like your help to work out. I bought myself six cold iron arrows, but I don't know how expensive six cold iron arrows is. I took a look at the um. Uh, lunatically cheap. Okay. All right. Then I'll just cover them with the king. If my king gets good to be the king power. Yeah. Yeah. They, they might might be like three gold pieces. Sweet. Okay. Uh, you can literally just honk yourself a quiver of cold iron arrows. You know, like 50 arrows is like 20 gold pieces or something in that neighborhood. So. Yeah, that's fine. Cool. Alright. And that is um, and that's the kingdom turn. We can roll into kingdom events. Mm-hmm. Look at that beautiful rising treasury. Is it full of thousands of build points now? Well, you know. Uh, enough to build that university. Ha 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 ha. Who are you, James? But the thing is, um, making my economy check now is really transformational. It's 93 build points. So that is enough to build the university. It is enough to build the university if I wanted to totally empty the treasury. Which, oddly enough, I'm not I don't. sure I see the problem here. Well,. Let me educate you. Did you know it takes about 40 build points to defend the kingdom from attack on a given turn? But if we invested in education, then we wouldn't have to have war in the future. <laughs> what I might do is build a hospital as well. Next to, I'll have to see how much of the money survives us to. I am um, at least contemplating putting a settlement site on the Keep of Flowers. I um, have a name for the new potential settlement. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite there yet because it's right on the border with the Raveti. I have to do all my prep first and then build defences in it immediately. It's Christopher Rossi. Ah, yes. Need to update my list again. Yep. Then, so Christopher Rossi will come to you. Your Majesty, I have unfortunate news about a public protest that is a public protest that is occurring in Lakeview. A group of individuals there, farmers who have been displaced, originally beginning by farmers who have been displaced by Rovetti's attacks upon our farmlands in 
like when you went through four yeah, because I never, down a bunch of farms and that sort of thing. Because I never rebuilt those farms there, I put different farms elsewhere. Yes. Uh, it's not that those people are personally out of business and starving or anything yeah. of that sort. Um, it's... Uh, let's drop out the character for this one. Uh, they are hosting a hunger strike functionally and basically camping out in the public squares, waving placards, having an open and public hunger strike um, about the fact that Iriveti has stolen the food from their mouths by burning down their farms and that sort of thing and that nothing has been done about this or anything done to prevent it happening again in the future. The primary thing that they are angry about is that they don't see the war being taken back to Iriveti. You are not going and burning his farmlands down, uh, nor have you actively sent an army into Pytax, period, to attack them. Your yep. war is entirely defensive, yep. and that's what they're protesting about. Right. They're, they're, they're protesting that you are not going to win a defensive war, and, you know, well, the king may be safe in his grand castle surrounded yep. by his thick walls. Us farmers are paying the price for his inaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Christopher Rossi tells you what your people think about them in general and whether they're on the, ro- the side of right in this or not. And that's a loyalty check. Cool. Oh. Not having a good turn with the rolls. Um, I do not make that loyalty check. So... You know, they have a point. Yeah. You you haven't taken the war to Pytax at all. Point. You have fought entirely defensively, and ultimately, of course, you were never going to win a defensive war because Aravetti is not going to throw his troops against your walls until they are all dead, then roll over and surrender. Yeah, or, or rather, while it's, it's... I'm not going to win the war if I remain on the defensive forever. Correct, yes. yes. Um, and... So the public doesn't think these guys are particularly out of touch with reality. In fact, they think they've got several points. Um, there is a lot of empathy with the protesters' demands that you attack Pytax at the earliest possible opportunity. And um, there's an implication that if you, you know, go burn down a few of their farms or steal their crops or whatever, then yeah. something will be seen to be done. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And then you can make me a stability check. People start getting behind these protests and they gain some momentum and pop up in other places. Okay, um, I'm fairly certain that I made the stability check, but it's not um, so straightforward. But, uh, yep, I make the stability check. Cool. By two points, because I've still got one point of unrest for the earlier thing. So you can keep this checked in that these protests never turn into riots or anything like that, because you yep. know where they're going to come up, you have guard forces there to contain them, etc., etc. But the protests go on. Uh, you gain a point of unrest. Yep. And this is an ongoing event. Uh, until you either um, garner sufficient loyalty that the public starts to see them as being out of touch with reality, and you know there are reasons you're not having an offensive war, um, or you do something about it, either by uh, indulging their demands or violently murdering them in the street or whatever it is that you choose to do. So I'll note that down when I finish because um, 
remembering that that's going to come yeah. up again is the sort of thing that's very easy to lose track yeah, of and there's lots of... It's one of those things where next turn you're going to have the same problem. Your protests yeah. are still going because you haven't solved them in any fashion. So the um, the loyalty conception, would that be building a, um, improving my loyalty by a significant amount? Uh, effectively, next turn the same event is going to happen again. Yeah. In the same circumstance, you will need to make another loyalty check or you will garner more unrest from the ongoing protests. Right, and that's either... And the stability check is um, decreasing the amount of damage it's doing you, basically. Yeah, so the theory is if I make my loyalty check, the pro- original protesters are considered to be out of touch by the people at large. Pretty much, they lose yep. their momentum, fundamentally. Yeah. That, that, or possibly they protest, nothing changes, everybody else loses interest yeah. and moves on to yeah, the, the, the unrest. The unrest remains until you get rid of it in whatever fashion. Yeah. With stability checks and that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, so you can handle it by just waiting it out and letting the loyalty checks take over. Yeah. You can handle it by dispersing them in whatever fashion you please, or you can handle it by um, indulging them. Yeah. Cool, that's fine. Yeah, so Rossi brings you this axon information, etc. So my understanding with Eraviti was that neither of us would invade the other last month, correct? Correct. That's so he feels free to invade me this month. The month is up. Cool, that's what I thought was the case. So if I wanted to, I could invade him this month. Yes, indeed, you could. Cool, that's fine. Okay. I mean, there's nothing preventing you doing so anyway. Yeah. Your um, your word on it. Yeah. But. I think most of your advisors would advise you to keep that if only because you know that Eravetti, generally speaking, won't break his word, but on yep. the other hand, if you break yours first, he will almost certainly feel free to do the same. Yeah, no, I had no intention among other things, I certainly didn't want to evade him last month, and I wasn't going to anyway, because I said I wouldn't. But, you know, there's no reason I can't this month with the information I wanted. And that's it for um, Kingdom Events for Zareth. Ah, nobody, um... Nobody um, invade. That's army movement. Ah, okay, yep, cool, that's fine. Kingdom events. Yep. And your troops, I imagine, are braced. You have people in place to yeah. um, activate the armies at a moment's notice, effectively. Yeah. Irovetti does not come. Interesting. He did not tell you that he would be back in 30 days. He told you he wouldn't be back, back until, until 30 days. Yeah. So he's not... Um, breaking his agreement there, he's simply not indulging you by fighting you when you expect him to. Yep. At which point uh, the floor is yours. Cool. So Kaelin will actually sit down with his council. Yep. Um, Alright, so Erevedi's showing no signs of moving his armies. Um, so we have a couple of options at this point. Um, I mean, it is summer, which is prime campaigning weather. Um, the... Um, and we have a siege engine now. We have a road down to Pike Axe, albeit it leads us into a um, fairly hilly and mountainous region where the boys will s- struggle. And we could certainly field enough armies in ease to make him... Um, to give him some trouble. Um, my inclination would be not to head down south at this point. We haven't really taken any of his armies off the battle, and our chances of doing so, I consider our chances of doing so to be better in a defensive front for this point. The kingdom's still building up its strength. Um, but um, I understand that the people are unhappy that we haven't launched any attacks, and I'm interested in your thoughts on whether we should. Yep. 
and there will be considerable debate about yeah, yeah. from multiple different sources. So I'm, I'm really asking the GM rather than asking for individual character voices here. Very much so. Um, so uh, the obvious downside to going and engaging him is that you lose all the defensive bonuses. Yeah. Um, the upside to it is you know where some of his armies are. Yeah. Um, so if you can get to them, you can engage them one at a time or yeah. engage the multiple armies on one or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone thinks that you're going to sweep down and obliterate Pytaxia this month. Yeah. But it's well within your purview to, say, sweep down and kill off one or two of his armies. So if we take a look from the perspective of potentially doing that... Yeah. Because the thing is, you know, it will be doing something, yeah. and it is getting to the point where I'm... I've done a lot of the build-up. I've done yep. a bunch of the military prepared when I want to. The other option is, um, I think many of your council are okay with what's happening here, going and uh, destroying Koth, the river raisers. Ah, yes. I, I, the only problem with that is I don't know where they are. I know where they... Because um, I, I never found where their resting point is. Ah, that's true, but you have been in contact oh, with, um, did, um, with Marlin. Did Marlin tell me? Uh, I don't think he actually did on screen, yeah, but, but uh, he, he quite certainly would have. If, if that's information he would have provided me, then I'm certainly content to have gotten that off him. Here's my drailage, fort drailage sheet. Here's my um, Pytax sheet, without which an invasion is a terrible idea. What's that? A uh, bit difficult to feel... If I can't find my map of Pytax, a bit no. difficult to feel an invasion. I think I'll go over there and do a thing. Okay, so he can tell you where the um, uh, the river raisers are. Yep. They are being kept uh, not in Pytaxia, but somewhat under Erevetti's eye. Uh, that is G9. G9. Right, okay, so that's very, very far south. And they are literally just camped out there doing um, nothing in particular. Yep. So that's straight past several other armies. Yes. Um, but nonetheless, that is where they are. Yeah. Well, there's no reason he has to put them in a place that's convenient for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And it, it makes good sense, given they're not exactly a solidly aligned army. Yeah, well, Erevedi controls them through a combination of sort of blackmail and fear and a bunch of other things. Yeah. So he's got them somewhere where he can sort of keep an eye on them. Presumably... Yeah. Uh, what would what would probably be of note when you start looking at this is that there are armies between them and all their other options. Yeah. If they turn around and attack Pytaxia, you can logically assume Pytaxia has an army of some kind within its walls. Yeah. Um, if they try and go up and defect to you, there are armies between them. Yeah. Etc. Etc. So, um, if we take a look at this map. Yeah. So I have a road. Um, like, you could also, in theory, get in contact with Marlin, because, like, sending spells and that sort of thing, and tell him, charge your troops off to point B, at which point we'll kill them all. Yeah. It's, um, I would be more thinking in terms of if he, if he's deployed, if I invade and he's deployed against me, yes. then we'll do that. Yeah. But I wouldn't necessarily tell him to, in, 
charge off to point B without receiving orders from Uravetti because that's kind of violating his agreement. Yeah, because you need a you need a scenario where you can fight the river raiders unseen by everyone else. Right. Yeah. Because you can't do it in front of all of Uravetti's other armies. Yeah. At which point we're probably best hoping they. Because um, your original plan was he was going to break off from the yeah, attack, yeah. go down to Lakeview, and get killed there. Yeah. So at which point I'm not. It, it would be different if he was um, parked on. Um, Pytax's northern border off to himself, but um, unless I was prepared to march my troops through Mivon, because that would get me... Um, but I don't really want to do that to Mivon, because using them as a springboard for invading Draylev is, is violating their neutrality. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so... Alright, so here's the question. Yes. So I have a road that takes me down from Fort Draylev to here. Yep. Um, there's something on the other side. I presume it's random hex. Yeah, it is indeed random hex. Cool. Um, so, and then subsequent to that, I have a bunch of hills and mountains. Um, so if I was, say, hypothetically heading for the Wyvern army, yep. there's a bunch of hills and mountains south of that, yep. which are largely... Um, Unroaded and unpopulated. Unpopulated. Yep. How hard would it be to get my army through that terrain? Oh, not compellingly. It's difficult terrain. They yep. go at half speed, which is um, probably almost irrelevant. Uh, um, the mount, just the the mountains, or um, ju- the hills as well. Uh, mountains. The cool. hills do not impede your armies in any notable way. All right. Um, so, Kalen will actually propose at this point. Um, Taking the army, some of the armies down, yep. and um, uh, attacking the wy- endeavouring to pick off the Wyvern army. Yep, it's being seen to be doing something, and it's um, it's an army we know where it is. And you know, if he sends in his hill giant mastodon army, we can conceptually fight both of them, but he can't necessarily get all his armies up. And if he marshals too many armies against us, we turn around and start heading north. Uh, and another one I'll float to you that um, Michaela would quite certainly think of, if not some other people. To be honest, Christopher Rossi has a mind of gears and wheels that would think of this sort of thing as well. Is um, like coordinating something comparatively simple with the river raises via sending spells is well within your purview to do. Um, among other things, like that, what they'll suggest is you could fake orders from, or rather have them fake orders from Iravehi to them to justify their going off to fight you, particularly if you're in process of doing something else, like killing their wyverns. Sweet. Because all Marlin needs is the excuse, because then he's going to be dead, Goff. Yeah. Um, that sounds excellent. I like that plan. So, So what you're essentially talking is, you know, he's going to leave a few of his people behind that he doesn't necessarily want to take with him, you know, and go out and tell them, you know, look, we've received this note from Iravetti that yeah. says, go do this. And Iravetti's going to look at it and go, well, I didn't send that. Clearly, King Kalen faked it. Yeah, so that he could ambush the river raises. Yeah, and now he's killed them. Bugger, I need new armies. Yeah, that's excellent, and I will commend um, Christopher Rossi and Michaela. At the point that we're talking about the river raises, yeah. I would like to be doing this in a scrying-blocked environment. Sure. Just because um, 
that is yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so I'll um and knock off the cost of that. And, and yeah, I don't think we need to desperately go into twenty-five words or less versions of that. Yeah, but um, you can contact Marlon and say, you know, can you provide some sort of fake order to justify why you'd be doing this? Yeah, and he basically says, sure, when and where. Yeah, sure, and um, cool. So at that point, Kalen is going to invade Pytax. Cool. It has the unfortunate downside that people will say he's just doing it because there were protesters, but, you know... Welcome to being the king. Everything you do is because you're a bad person. But on the other hand, you know, like, he was planning to do it at some point, and if that's a motivating factor, you know, presumably they were hoping he'd listen. Yeah, yeah, well, there are upsides and downsides. The upsides being that your protesters will be mollified by this. Yeah. Um, the downsides being that people will look at it and go, well, you know, clearly um, hunger strikes worked for what we want. Let's lower taxes. Okay, here we are. This is what I need. I need some sheets of armies. And then the full question becomes how many of them marched up, march south, and how many of them stay behind. Yeah. Uh, so, as usual, when you begin activating your armies, everybody gets word of this and begins activating his. Yeah. <laughs> So, now, my theory here yeah. is that I only need to activate the armies I'm marching south... Correct. ...on the basis that if Arnaventi changes his mind about evading, deals a tactical victory against me and comes north, I can still activate myself... I can still activate my armies? It's correct. You may be pushing your, um, your times slightly, but I don't think significantly. Cool. At which point I'm only going to activate the armies I'm bringing south. Among other things, um, it's ex- it's this is more expensive from your end when Eravidi attacks you because you activate everyone because you don't know what he's doing. Yeah. And now you're making that his problem as well. Yeah. Which is excellent. Cool. Alright. Um. Okay. And I will... Um, Activate the stag runners, the avenging bowmen, yep. and Aurori's runners. Cool. So the conception with what I'm going to do here is I'm going to send the stag. Um, do I want the centaurs? Um, their consumption is quite high, and they are kind of little for what we're doing with this. Speed might be the only relevant consideration. Well, they're much faster than the other guys. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They can get in and out quicker. That's very true. I'm well, not um, telling you to build it. No, I think, no. And I will bring centaurs. So I'm activating those four armies. So the conception with what I'm doing with the runners... Yep. Because um, they're my monk army. Yep. Um, they're going to be effectively watching the back door, yep. as in, assuming I can uh, fulfill my plan successfully. But this is what I'm telling Marlon, so this is what my plan was going to be. As the Aurori's runners were going to be in a different hex off to the side, guarding our flank. Yep. Then they're going to be attacked by the River Razor's sneaky plan, and then they're going to mercilessly kill all of the River Razors. Uh, yeah, so that fight's happening in a different hex? Yeah. Cool. So there's, um, so that, you know, while the Wyverns fight me in a different, not that I'm so worried about the Wyverns, but while the Wyverns and any other Pytaxian armies fight me in a different hex, the, you know, which is closer to where the river raises are, so that they don't have to walk as far. Yep. The river raises can assault, um, Aurori's runners, because my plan was always to have them fight Aurori's runners, because 
you know, if anyone can punch people unconscious and make it look good, it's monks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not actually endeavouring, you're not actually pulling off a battle here. Yeah. You're faking a battle. Yeah. You're going to stab some people, spray some blood around, tear up the dirt. Yeah, but I, I stand by my theory that monks can make that look good. Yes. Cool. Alright, so that's the plan. So we are, I am activating those four armies, and then I need to factor in how long it takes them all to walk places. Yep. So they all have to go, um, so this, in the time that the, the centaurs and the runners book out of Vanhold and arrive at, um, st- and arrive in Elk's Rest before the others are very far down the road, they're so much faster that it'll just slow them down immensely, keeping to the rest of the place. Yep. So the question is, um, how long it takes the rest of the guys to go. So. Alright, so, from Thornwatch. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, so the army marches through 18 hexes of road yep. and then arrives at um, arrives at the Fort Drelev border. Yep. So that takes um, however long that takes. What's the bonus? Uh, your generic speed is two and then it's doubled if you're going on roads. Cool. So um, so that's two hexes a day. Yep. So and four hexes a day. Cool. So um, 18 fours are four and a half. Yep, so... Fours. Yep, so the army marches for four days. Cool. And arrive... We spend a week activating our armies. um, Irvedi notices what we're doing and activates his armies. Yep. Cool. To whatever extent he would. Um, Four days marching brings us to the border of Pytax. Yep. At which point we roam on over the border and begin heading south. Okay. And at that point, we may want to do movement the to movement time. Yeah. So, um, at the moment, I'm just going to make an army thing. Sure. <laughs> because um, at the moment, all of them are moving together, but I'll spot I've them up. Little um, tokens here for everybody. Oh, cool. Okay. I assume FD and KD. It's in your handwriting. It must mean something to you. Yep. SR stag runners. Stag runners. I'm looking for AB. Do I have an HT. Yep, that's the centaurs. And an AB. Cool, here we are. So, stag runners, B. So, then I just need an I, an IR. Sure, if you get out your um, Pytax map too, that's the normal one. Sure, just a second. Second. Here we are. Yep. So, um, we consider that we are currently here. Yep. Just north of it. Yep. I say the Santors and monks kind of sit around and have a coffee break for half the day and then walk in a bit. <laughs> or march in big circles around the other armies or something. I um, want a couple more slips of paper. I don't seem to have Tuscan Raiders. Tuscan Raiders or. Um, what else am I missing? Uh, the Tiger Lords. I think because you've never. They're not, ava- they're yeah. not um, offensive armies. 
Okay, so you know the river raises are down here in G9. Yep. Uh, hang on, no, that's the wrong map. Oh, my apologies. It, how? It's not your fault, sweetie. I passed you the wrong map. Just have a lot of different maps. Just find the correct one. Here we are. This is it. Yep. Cool. Cool. That's right. No, that's right. Um, yes, that's right. That was the. Um, I was showing you the. Because um, they're currently on this map just above. Yep. Cool. So these guys are on the hex above the actual map hex. Cool. Yeah. There we go. You know where the Tuscan Raiders are. Come. Yep. Okay. So. You yeah, have... and I don't. I don't know about any other armies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you have two points of movement. Yes. Okay. So. Point one of movement, we go onto this hex. Yep. And then we go onto this hex. Yep. Cool. And um, uh, Aurora's runners can pretty much break off at any time, given yep. how much faster they are. Yeah, but I'll wait until the river raises get close. Uh, so, given that. Uh, so. Um, you are expecting the river races to start moving at this point, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. That's your plan. Cool. So they're going to come up to here, and the raiders are going to come to here. Okay. Uh, so then we go there. Yep. And... I just need to check what advantages people here. The white men have no compelling reason to fight you in the mountains, so they're probably good where they are. Uh, the river raises will move to further to where you are aiming to send them. Cool. So let's have a look at um, so Aurora's runners being super fast. Yeah. Um, they will um, head over here. Yeah. So a sort of um, a yep. sort of side area. Yeah, yeah. Aravini is vaguely. Um, it looks like he is vaguely moving armies towards his bridge to keep that defended. Yep. So the um, the runners make us start heading that way, Woods. Yep. Um, but w- mysteriously, without getting that much further forward. But um, it was my conception. Sure. Cool. And then the rest of these guys start marching slowly, make a slow slog through the mountains. Yep. And the river raiders will come up further to there. Cool. Do the Tuscan raiders? No, because they still don't know where you're coming to. Yep. Cool. That's fine. I'm just asking what they do. Yep. Cool. All right. And then um, I think um, so the um. Runners will at this point stay put and let the river raisers come to them. Cool. And at this time, the um, the rest of the armies descend upon the wyverns. Yep. And then Rivetti gets his movement for the turn, and that's yep. All right. So you get told um, you will get assorted sendings, messengers, and etc. etc. from Marlin. Some of this you'll catch after the fact for what he is doing. So essentially, he fakes a message from Rivetti telling him that. Um, Stagthorn's armies have been seen moving in here 
and the river raiders are being deployed um, up towards the um, up towards the edge of the forest to go engage them and defend the wyverns potentially. Yeah, uh, because they are best used in forests. Yes. Um, about halfway there, um, Marlin is going to send a runner back to Iraveti carrying a message that says. I've seen that the um, that Aurori's runners are going over here. Yeah. Of my own initiative, I am going to go and engage them because, you know, I think that's best and you're relying on my tactics. Yeah, Ir- yeah. would not have any problem with this. He yeah. expects the guy to be a competent commander. And the conception is Aurori's, you know, Aurori's runners are perfectly suited for flanking yeah. strikes. I can send yeah. them off to burn something down on yeah. their own because they're so fast. Yeah. Marlin might be making a poor decision here from Aravedi's point of view, but it's a decision. It's a poor decision that at least follows a line of logic, as yeah. opposed to hmm, that looks really, really unlikely. Mm-hmm. Uh, at which point, he then, following his own initiative, breaks off and goes off to engage Aurori's runners. Yep, there he is. And the Tuscan Raiders may do something if they desire. I'm hoping it's not going to be engaging Aurori's runners, but... Uh, no, they are coming to engage the Wyverns. I thought that... Engage in the Wyvern fight? Yeah. I thought that might be the case, yep. So they can make it there on the basis that, um... While we spend that turn moving on there... close is, enough to get yeah. it as well. So, um... Then, then there's a big pile fight, and at that point, yeah, one so, turn's all we need to make that happen off screen. First off, circumstances are arranged in the fashion you have arranged them in. You have the river raisers. Um, who's, who's commanding Rory's runners? Is um, that, um, I think it was someone. Tusky Thunderfist. Tusky Because <laughs> so, it's a monk army. So we see the half orc monk just, just like kind of sitting down in a tent politely. Um, with Marlin, the um, older-looking, the older-looking man, and they're, they're literally just sort of sitting there, sipping tea together and pushing miniatures around on the battlefield and having a discussion that's largely um, inaudible. Yeah. And then they both nod, go out. Um, you know, Tusky nods apologetically to Marlin, then reaches out and starts choking him and grabs at his neck and rips yeah. off bits of his insignias and scatters them to the ground. Um, several of the river raisers actively pull out their own knives and start basically cutting themselves to spray a bit of blood yeah. artistically around. Um, Irori's runners run around in circles to create this big impression of lots of tracks and chaos and movement here and that sort of thing, and yeah. also bloody themselves and break some weapons and leave them behind and all this sort of thing. Um, so, um, Kaelin is, um, and, um, a um, cleric who is usually attached to Aurori's runners casts a spell of false vision. Yep. Because, <laughs> you know, yep. I, I, I don't want to count on Draylev not scrying on the battlefield. Um, of note, Marlin will actively kill a couple of his own troops, who are people that he doesn't think um, uh, can be trusted. Yeah. Like, he thinks they're spy- He's quite certain someone here is spying on for Aurori, and he thinks it's those guys. Yeah. So their corpses are getting conveniently left around the place to prove the killing that has happened here. Yep. Um, at which point, having done half a day's hard labour of faking a battle, the river raisers are going to melt, break into pieces, and flee north into your kingdom. Yep, where they are, have a prearranged hideout position of the hex in the in stag yep. form that's on the northern, that's near the northern border and completely unclaimed. Where they are functionally deactivating themselves as an army. Yep. 
and um, I will be paying a consumption yep. point to supply them with ba- some basic food and yep. And yeah. I will give you their um, their stat block as you now have functionally gained them as at least an army in potentia. Yeah, because they're ready to go. You yep. need to pay their costs to actually get them up and running. Yeah, I, I can't activate them until I deal with the kid yes. situation. But if I ever deal with the kid situation, I can get them as an army that will come and kick Pytax's ass. Yep. Cool. And do we want a battle of yes. the five armies? Yes, we do. Alright. Giant army pile about the fire. So, if we get out lots and lots of things in front of me, as do you, if we get out an initiative tracker and a scrap of paper. Yes. I've got a scrap of paper for my battle. Do you want a scrap of paper for your I battle? I do want a scrap of paper. There's your one. Okay, and initiative tracker. Oh! Or we can just call it there. Yep. As the two. Uh, as these sets of armies charge towards each other, the war has finally been brought home to Pytax. Dum dum dum.